Welcome to Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national stories focusing on news, politics, and current events. Now, the latest edition of Update One. I'm Adam Cano, and joining me today is John Donnelly. John is senior defense writer at Congressional Quarterly and Roll Call. He is also chair of the National Press Club's Freedom of the Press team here in Washington. John, thanks for joining me. Hi, Adam. So press freedom issues have been on the rise, especially domestically in recent years. Has the NPC's mission in that regard changed? Well, I don't know that the mission itself has changed, but certainly the uh, level of intensity has increased. Um, It is pretty much without precedent, I would say, for the president of the United States to declare the press the enemy of the American people and basically his enemy. I mean, Nixon said that mainly in private, uh, but the president has a public campaign to discredit not just the media, but also all uh, independent arbiters of fact, uh, scientists, uh, you know, judges, uh, etc. And you know, his cue is being uh, followed by a lot of uh, leaders abroad. And, uh, well, there's a, there's a wave of authoritarianism crossing the globe. Um, uh, the post-9-11, uh, the, the fight against terrorism was used as a justification to crack down on, on reporters who report things that uh, uh, people in power didn't like. And you're seeing kind of a continuation of that, which, and the, the flames are being fanned from the White House. Yeah, there's a lot to discuss there. But let's start with the club hosted a panel to discuss how reporters can better understand climate change data. Um, Full disclosure, my daughter, who's a student member of the club, was in attendance at that event. What else can you tell us about that particular event? Well, we uh, did it because Sunshine Week, which is uh, mid-March every year, uh, meant to coincide with James Madison's birthday. Um, this is a week that uh, is uh, geared toward um, discussing the, the importance of transparency, uh, in, uh, in ba- mainly in, in, in information uh, that pertains to government operations. And uh, we thought that it, it would be a good topic to look at climate change because of the importance of the issue. And it has actually gotten, I would argue, short shrift, you know, given its importance in, in the press. And it's just, it, it's also an area that is complicated, that is multifaceted, and an area where the Trump administration has uh, tried to basically repress um, some information that pertains to climate uh, science. And so we thought it would be good to have um, something that was like a professional development event to give people an idea, give reporters an idea of the best tools um, to uncover information in this area. Looking ahead slightly to May 2nd, the uh, club is leading a night out for Austin Tice to raise a million dollars through restaurants here in D.C. as well as elsewhere in the U.S. So uh, who is Austin Tice and why is the club uh, spearheading this effort to raise money? Austin Tice is an award-winning freelance reporter who was kidnapped in Syria in 2012 and has not been seen since. He is believed to be in the custody of Syrian government forces, not terrorists. Um, And we are going to make a big priority this year. It's been a priority for us for years, but we're going to make an even bigger priority this year of shining a light on his case and trying to drum up more pressure uh, to see if we can uh, do something about getting him home. Um, this event, the idea is the, uh, there's a, the government has offered a million dollar reward for information pertaining to, uh, to Tice. 
and we want to double that um, to information that could lead to his uh, to his release. We want to see if we can double that amount of money through uh, getting people to go out to eat and getting restaurants to commit to contribute a portion of their uh, proceeds uh, toward the cause. And the timing of it is uh, significant because that May 2nd is the eve of World Press Freedom Day. So um, we got, I think, 21 restaurants uh, involved at this point. Yeah, and something like five or six states already, I think I saw. That sounds about right, yeah. Um, and so um, domestically, before we go on international stuff, what else is sort of top priorities for, the, uh, for your team this year? Well, we're going to react to events, you know, as they uh, take place. But, um, you know, clearly we are concerned about um, the attacks on the press, prosecutions. Uh, we haven't seen any prosecutions of reporters uh, yet under the Trump administration, but we have seen prosecutions of leakers. And we are, you know, there, a case can be made that, you know, the government is within its rights to uh, prevent the disclosure of classified information. But we want to we monitor these cases carefully to make sure that there isn't a chill sent. Um, and, and basically, uh, transparency is another issue, um, making sure that we get as much access as possible to government data. Um, and I can talk a little, I know we're going to talk a little bit more later about what's going on at the Pentagon, but in general, I would say um, there is uh, a pretty lousy situation right now with regard to uh, the free flow of information and yeah. contacts with reporters. By chilling effect, you're basically talking about the concern that um, by the government prosecuting one person for the release of classified data or something like that, that that could have a chilling effect more broadly on information that perhaps isn't as sensitive, um, but could be in the public interest to get out. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, whistleblowers, meaning people who uh, disclose information that I'm not talking about classified information, I'm talking about information that the public, you can make a good case, has a right to know about. Um, they are, you know, their lives are still made a living hell uh, when they try to uh, uh, disclose information. And, and I found, for example, recently in the Pentagon that uh, 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 ex officials or military officers who crack down on whistleblowers, whistleblowers who have made truthful disclosures through appropriate channels, when people crack down like fire or demote or write lousy uh, performance reviews for whistleblowers, the people who do the, that kind of retaliation are almost never uh, getting any kind of consequence for what they do. So it's that kind of thing. Well, I also remember a, a number of months ago, I talked to um, the editor of Defense News about how I think it was the Air Force had basically put sort of a a slowdown, as it were, in terms of even the, the answering of basic information requests, that essentially they were now taking everything much higher up the chain than they had previously. And, and even that was effectively having a chilling effect on, on information that in a lot of cases was really quite benign. Yeah. Um, there is a whole category of information that is known as sensitive but unclassified, right? So they, they're not technically uh, making it a secret. But they are arguing that that piece of information in combination with a second piece of information and maybe a third piece of information can be used by an adversary against uh, U.S. forces or against U.S. national security. And there may be some plausible argument behind that, but it's a real slippery slope because, you know, if it's not, if my, my sense of it is if it's, if it's really that sensitive, go ahead and classify it. But if it's unclassified, then, then by default, the public should have a right to see it through the press. And so that kind of thing is happening more and more. And the other thing is, is uh, briefings. I mean, there are almost no briefings, not only in the Defense Department, in the State Department, in the White House, uh, uh, 
officials are just not going before the cameras to answer questions. Um, internationally, the club played a really important role in the release of American Jason Rezaian from Iran. I remember that, amongst other things, we took place, uh, we took part in a, a reading of his work for, I think it was 24 hours straight, mm-hmm. um, something that I was uh, proud to play a part in. And then, yep. more recently, Mexican Emilio Gutierrez Soto from, from Detention by ICE. What about more recent cases? I mean, internationally, they, they just seem to come, you know, one after another, including Maria Reza, who's been a very outspoken critic of Philippine President Duterte. Yeah, well, we have spoken out on every single one of those cases, and you know we are you know we are on top of uh, things going on in the world. We can't speak out on every case. We wouldn't want to, lest we devalue the you know the currency or the press club's uh, clout. But uh, we are definitely looking uh, to speak out where we can, especially about cases in in countries of particular concern, like Egypt, um, uh, you know, like China, like Iran, like the Philippines, and like the United States. Um, you know, the case of Emilio Gutierrez Soto. The good news was that we were able to uh, get him out of ICE detention. But just this month, uh, a judge denied his uh, uh, case for asylum. That's being appealed. Uh, we have a, a, a FOIA lawsuit underway to obtain some documents from ICE pertaining to that case. Uh, so that's a good news, bad news situation. Uh, we also saw uh, just, uh, I think this month it was, the release from an Egyptian jail of the photojournalist known as Shao Khan, who was a winner of one of our Press Freedom Awards. And so he had been incarcerated for years for the quote-unquote crime of taking pictures. Uh, of, a, of a protest where a lot of people got killed. Um, but good news, bad news there too, even though he's out, he has to go to the police station every single night and report in. So um, that's a bit draconian. So in the, the case of Maria Reza, there she was accused of uh, cyber libel. Uh, she is the founder of the website known as Rappler. She was uh, out of, she's out of bail, uh, out of jail on, on, on bail now. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's another case. So, unfortunately, they come one right after another. If I remember correctly, they actually, you know, arrested her in her newsroom. I mean, it was really quite mm. quite astonishing. Right. Um, so, a couple of years ago, the club moved its press freedom work to the nonprofit Journalism Institute. Why was that done and how has that uh, helped what you do? Well, part of the idea was because the Journalism Institute is, uh, is a nonprofit um, that they might be able to obtain uh, some funding um, to uh, help support some of the press freedom work. And um, their mission also includes professional development. And we thought there was a nice connection there with, uh, you know, for example, I mentioned the climate change panel. Um, there is there's definitely a lot of overlap between, I would say, the issue of transparency and and you know, teaching reporters how to do their jobs and get access to that data. So um, that was kind of the idea. And another thing is they, they freed us up a little bit from the logistics of, uh, of organizing events. Um, so they're, they're taking a lot of that burden off of, uh, of, of club members. And uh, so it's turned out to be an effective uh, marriage. And those events basically, you know, presumably one of the advantages that the club has over individual news outlets trying to do a lot of this press freedom work on their own. It's sort of a false force multiplier effect, I presume. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, the brand name of the National Press Club is, uh, bears, you know, considerable heft, um, especially elsewhere in the world, you know, in the far corners of the world where when the National Press Club speaks out about a case uh, in some country in Africa or Asia, um, it really has significant effect. Um, and so more than we often 
sort of acknowledge or, or, or realize. Um, and another thing about the National Press Club doing it instead of individual reporters and news organizations is, you know, reporters have to stay above the fray, um, even in matters of press freedom. Uh, and so the organization that represents them collectively can, can push back uh, against crackdowns on press freedom or restrictions on uh, transparency, whereas an individual reporter uh, might be chastened by his employer from speaking out about something. Yeah. And then there are other organizations, of course, that have an interest in this topic, Reporters Without Borders being one of them. So how does the National Press Club work with like-minded organizations? Uh, we work a lot with them. Uh, we have on our Press Freedom Committee, which I chair, we have representation from several of those organizations, uh, not only Reporters Without Borders, but Committee to Protect Journalists. The James Foley Foundation, which uh, works on getting uh, hostages out, uh, named after the uh, American reporter who was killed by ISIS in 2014, uh, the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. Um, so we, we coordinate. Uh, we also work on um, loss, law legal cases where we join forces with other um, news organizations, uh, such as the American Society for News Editors, and we, uh, we write these friend of the court briefs in cases where we think the outcome of a case could have an effect positively or negatively on the news media. We will let the court know our opinion about it. And we, will, we speak with the collective voice of, the, of, of U.S. Uh, news organizations. And we were talking earlier about defense, and of course that's your beat. And you, but you also lead an organization called Military Reporters and Editors. So... Um, how does what you do with that organization align with your interests and the club's interest in press freedom? Well, there's a, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, well, I mean, one of the things that military reporters and editors does is try to push back on uh, Pentagon restrictions on, on the press and ensure that we have as much uh, access as we can possibly get. And, and so that, you know, is completely in line with uh, the press club's uh, mission. And we, we, the military reporters and editors, has joined in on, a, on some of the statements that the press club has been involved in. And so there's, there's a great deal of, uh, you know, and we're also, we're similar also in the, in the respect that we provide a place for reporters to network, you know, with other reporters and with uh, sources. You mentioned earlier about Sunshine Week, and obviously the taping of this podcast aligns with that. Um, any more you want to say in terms of dealing with the Pentagon and, frankly, just the, the, the federal beat writ large? It's really gotten bad. I mean, I don't want to understate this at all. I mean, there is there's almost no uh, briefings now uh, at any major department or the White House. Um, and so, you know, uh, these daily press briefings forced officials to justify and explain policies and, and on camera, too. And, you know, the, at the Pentagon, for example, the former Defense Secretary James Mattis and now the acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan will stroll into the newsroom or, or, or chat with reporters during a photo opportunity with a vis visiting dig dignitary. But they're extremely brief and, and half the time it's, you know, they're just lighthearted conversation. Um, and, and it's just the – and the other thing that's happened is there is uh, – uh, increasing sort of flackification of uh, the government. Um, there's nothing wrong with public affairs people. Some of my best friends are public affairs people. My father was one. But um, increasingly, they, are, they, they see their jobs as thwarting reporters instead of helping them. And I realize they have sort of dual, a dual mission. You know, they serve two masters in a sense. They have to serve the people they work for, but also they're trying to help the press, at least in theory. 
But when every time you want to talk to somebody, you have to go through a public affairs person and write your questions in advance and that sort of thing. It really and and have to wait, you know, forever to get to get answers. It's just it's just really um, calcified the whole process, and it's limited uh, the the people's the people's access to their information, their government's information. And another thing is, you know, it's unbelievable to me that you know people are actually threatened with losing their jobs, people in the government, if they talk to a reporter. Well, you know, that is just outrageous because, you know, people should be able, we should be able to, I understand they want to keep their message. Uh, a government agency wants to have one message, but, uh, you know, it, we can't just talk to public affairs officers. And, and I, I think the public is ill-served by that. Yeah. So for members of the club, journalists perhaps listening to this who aren't, members and even the general public who care about the First Amendment and other uh, uh, press freedom, things like that. What, what's your message to them? What can they do to help? Okay. Well, my first message is that this is not a partisan issue. And, and, and the, the, the press is necessary for the public to know what is going on so that it can govern itself effectively. The press is in the interest of everyone, regardless of their political persuasion, and it can't become a left-right thing. And, and, and so be aware of that. Stay on top of the issues. Speak out wherever you can. Contribute to any of the organizations that I mentioned here, if you like. But mainly, be aware and tell everyone you know that the press is here to really just tell the truth. And that's, we take that mission seriously. We don't always do it perfectly. When we make mistakes, we correct the record. But, you know, our job is central to this country and this world succeeding. John, thanks so much. John Donnelly is senior defense writer at Congressional Quarterly and Roll Call. You can follow him on Twitter at John M. Donnelly. For Update One, I'm Adam Cano. You have been listening to Update One, a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Committee. You can comment on this show or any episode of Update One by going to facebook.com slash pressclubdc or on Twitter at pressclubdc. Thanks for listening to Update One.